0: So start
1: looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I saw a gray wolf type animal just standing on its hind legs on a sandbar up the river about 1,000 foot away. I watched it for at least two minutes. I thought it was a man or that I was seeing things. But it turned and I saw the profile of its long nose and I ran for my life. My dog did to. The whole time I was running up, out of that mountain valley, I was convinced I was dead. I was pretty far out, and I never went back. The hunt had started out like any other hunting trip with friends. Excitement filled the air as we ventured into the secluded forest, determined to track down and hunt bears. The dense trees and the thick underbrush made the hunt challenging, but it was precisely the kind of adventure we craved. As we moved deeper into the forest, we decided to split up, hoping to cover more ground and increase our chances of spotting a bear. I went my own way, following my instincts and the faint signs of animal activity. The forest was eerily silent, with only the rustling of leaves and occasional bird calls breaking the quiet. It was then that I caught a whiff of something odd, something foul and pungent. My curiosity got the better of me, and I decided to follow the stench, wondering if it might lead me to a potential bear sighting. I moved cautiously, making sure not to make any noise that could scare off my prey. As I walked deeper into the forest, I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched. The smell grew stronger, and I couldn't help but feel a sense of unease. Then I looked up and saw it, something unlike anything I'd ever encountered. The creature had a round, human-sized head, but instead of a beak, it had an unsettling, featureless face. Enormous, bat-like wings adorned its body, which stretched about five to six feet in length. The wingspan was easily 25 to 30 feet wide, with no feathers, just the eerie appearance of bat-like skin that was jet black. What really caught my attention was its long, skinny tail, measuring about four to five feet, resembling that of a rat or a dragon sticking straight out. This strange being didn't fly like a bird. Rather, it glided gracefully about ten feet off the ground moving at a plodding speed. After gliding for about 50 to 75 feet, it took a single huge flap of its wings, maintaining its elevation, and continued gliding, disappearing into the woods up ahead. The encounter left me awestruck and puzzled. What kind of creature was that? It seemed almost otherworldly, and I couldn't make sense of what I had just witnessed. My instincts told me that this creature must be living underground possibly near a hot spring due to its lack of feathers. Shaken by the experience, I raised my rifle, hoping to get a shot at the creature to prove its existence to my friends. I steadied my aim and pulled the trigger, but my shot missed its mark. The creature didn't react at all. It just vanished deeper into the forest. When I finally reunited with my friends, I eagerly told them my story, hoping they would believe me but instead they laughed and dismissed my encounter as a figment of my imagination or a practical joke. Their mockery stung, but I couldn't blame them for not understanding the inexplicable sight I had witnessed. spent three weeks out in the Colorado wilderness with a safe survival camping group that checked in with your every three days to drop food, check your water, and take your trash with them. They knew where the 12 of us were, but we didn't really know where each other were because it was more of a solo thing than a group camp. The closest person to me was about 200 yards away, but we didn't see each other during the 18 days of camping, just on the hike in and hike out six seven days into it i was sitting out in my chair with a book when i noticed someone about 50 yards away just meandering through the trees supply came the next day and i mentioned it but they said it was pretty unlikely to be a random person because this was a private area and there was really only one way in that wasn't super rugged i saw the same person again a few days later this time going the exact opposite way and walking like they didn't have a care in the world. I think I had a full day alone before supply that time, so I had a lot of time to keep my hatchet closer and then convince myself it was someone from the group getting a little antsy and stretching their leg. We talked about it on the way out, and about half of us had seen the person, always from about 50 yards away, and everyone had thought it was someone else from the group. When I was a freshman in college, I had to take a wellness class as part of our core curriculum. In my case, the wellness class I took was intro to camping and hiking. The final project for our class was to go on an overnight hiking or camping excursion. The buddy and I picked a weekend to go before our final was due and we packed up to go camp in a nearby national park. When we got there, things seemed pretty peaceful. There was no one around in the reserved camping area, which at the time we thought nothing of. We only saw one other person while we were hiking, a figure in a hoodie who waved at us from across some falls we hiked to. After hiking for a while, we decided to call it a night once it got dark. Once we got back to our tent, that's where things got interesting. We noticed a few flashlights in the woods ahead of our tent being shined in our direction. The fact that we saw flashlights wasn't an issue, but we were both bothered by the fact that multiple were concentrated in our direction. Being the burly outdoorsman we thought ourselves to be, we grabbed our tiny hatchet. We used to make kindling and approach the lights in the woods. As we got nearer, we noticed a figure holding a flashlight step towards us. I shouted to him, Something like, Hey, you guys lost! The figure then called back, Stay where you are. We're coming to help you. Being extremely confused, and at this point a little frightened, my friend and I obeyed. A state trooper emerged from the field of lights and questioned us about whether we had recently saw anyone in the area. My friend and I both told him about the figure we saw near the falls, and the trooper's face lit up. He told us that we needed to leave the area immediately, as they were, searching for a fugitive who had recently crossed over state lines and was spotted near the area. They had cleared everyone out of the camp area, but since my friend and I had arrived at dusk, they did not know we were there. Apparently, the figure we had seen shot someone in a robbery gone wrong, and fled once the police arrived. After learning that we had been sharing the forest with a killer, my friend and I got into a car and noped the F out there. The one that has always stayed with me, though, was the way the guy waved at us as if he didn't have a care in the world. I was driving late night around 2, 3 a.m. in upstate New York in a rural town close to Albany. I was with one of my exes at the time, and we were exploring some back roads around her house out because I'd never been in that area before. There was this large tree with a slight clearing around it on my left, with a large branch reaching out perpendicular to the road around six feet high. I noticed a blackish floating figure dart into the branch and then disappear. It gave me watery eyes and freaked me out for a bit, but I didn't know why. A second later, when I turned my head, there was nothing there, so I didn't mention anything to my ex because I thought I would sound crazy. I felt a deep fear just looking at the tree and kept driving. About five minutes later, after coming down the hill, my ex turned to me and said that someone had died in a motorcycle accident back on the hill years ago and ended up getting decapitated chills ran down my spine, and I told her what I saw. She didn't believe me, so I said, let's go back, and I bet I can pick out the spot. We turned around and drove back up the hill, and I picked out the exact spot it happened at. I don't really believe in ghosts, so this whole experience shook me up pretty badly for a bit. I live in an area with one of the most haunted cemeteries known to America. Back in eighth grade, we had this state history project thing, and I chose the cemetery. My dad had always told me about it and how his friends and him used to go there when they were in high school and how their teacher saw a ghost. One of the main stories is an orb of light that will chase you out of the woods little backstory on the cemetery itself. It's pretty well secluded off a major street. You need to travel down a trail in the woods to reach it. Two major things about this, though, is one. They stopped burying people there a long time ago, and two, the secluded nature and hauntings have become a popular site for people to perform satanic rituals. And not talking about painting upside-down crosses everywhere. I mean dead dogs and dug-up graves, It is now illegal to go in there. Nevertheless, my father took me to go one day to take a few pictures and whatnot. It was around noon when we went. We walked around and took some pictures, wrote some notes, etc. Nothing out of the ordinary. I was really hoping to find a ghost, though. One of the famous tales is a full-body ghost appearing midday. So after about an hour or so, my dad decides that was enough and takes us home. I was disappointed I didn't watch anything. When we got home, I was still stewing over this. I wanted to find something, so I decided it was a bright idea to go back. My dad was busy around the house, and it wasn't odd for me to go out at that time, saying I was hanging out with friends. So I rode my bike back there, camera in hand. I walked down the trail and got to the gate, setting my bike down on a tree that had fallen on the fence. By this time, it was about six. Sun starting to settle down. The trees around blocked all light, though so the only illumination was a dim light from the surrounding sky. At this point, I'm already thinking this is a bad idea. I still remember my knees beginning to physically shake if I stood still. Stupid me, though, still thought to go further in the cemetery, though. I walked around a bit more until it became too much and I had to get out. I turned around and sped, walked it back to the front gates where I left my bike. In the tree was a knife jammed into it right by my bike, which I knew I would have seen. I don't think I've ridden a bike so fast in my life. The trail was so uneven and mangled I crashed and still have the scar on my leg. Never told my parents, said I fell in the street or something. I only went back one other time with a group of my friends in high school, and I made sure I was with a majority of the group the entire time. I house at my brother's place one summer while he and his now wife took their camper cross-country. They lived deep in the hills of Western Mass, down two miles of dirt road, in a tiny, cozy, creepy hunting cabin built in the 1700s. No neighbors for at least a mile in any direction. It was lovely. Booming stereo system. Outdoor hoe tub. The kind of place a 20-year-old could host two weeks of weed and acid-fueled group sex. And then, after the first two weeks, I was burnt out. I needed a break, a couple buddies came up to bbq and smoke, and then I was alone with my little family, two dogs, four cats, in the middle of nowhere, totally alone. I popped in a movie, cranked the stereo, and zoned out. All of a sudden all the pets got up in unison and rushed to one of the windows. No barking, no panic, just a creepy group trot to go, stare, out into the darkness, and then suddenly to another window. Ooh, I flipped on the outdoor floodlights, which just reinforced the darkness of the surrounding woods. I was on the second floor, but it was hardly reassuring. Putting on a thriller was an unwise choice. Just as my brain was processing the fact that there were no locks on the doors, something hit the house. Hard. Whump! The entire old structure shuddered, and my stomach churned. There were black bears out here, but it didn't sound like a black bear. It sounded like a 20-foot pillow had hit the house. I couldn't tell what side it came from. I hit the off button on the stereo and crept toward the window when suddenly again. "Hmm," Pictures shook. Something fell over in the little TV room. The pets were still nonchalantly all looking out at nothing, seemingly unfazed by the noise. I waited now, ready to piss myself. I didn't have a car up here, just a smallish motorcycle. And even then, I didn't want to go outside. High as all, get out. I decided to call the local cop, who was unimpressed by being woken up to hear my shit. Well, what do you want me to do? You don't see anything outside. I didn't. Just dark woods. Did I want him to come out? I had so much weed up there. He sounded relieved when I said I'd wait it out. If it gets dire, call the state barracks, okay, Nighty mumbled it didn't happen again i didn't sleep huddled in the tv room with a .22 pistol paranoid absolutely freaked out i waited till dawn when the sun came up i ventured out nothing but a sparkling june morning i made sure i had at least one friend up every night for the rest of my stay I was coyote hunting in the dark. Maybe 3 a.m. I'm not one of weak stomach. I work with pigs. I smell this rotting, disgusting, horrible smell. I find a nearby small cave and look inside. There were maybe six dead coyotes and just gore. Bloody shit and body parts. Some of it was human. I then heard struggled breathing and hacking coughing. Armed with a semi-automatic shotgun, I was not afraid until I saw this thing. Pasty, white, hairless, ugly. It was similar to the made-up rake, but this was real. I aimed and fired twice. It was about 15 feet away. It recoiled and ran off, screeching as it ran. I paged a local ranger office. They sent out a recovery team and police showed up later. I was questioned, and the cave was discovered, and the human parts recovered. The area was locked off from public access for a while. I was at my summer house in the Swedish archipelago, and while it's not that secluded, it's quite sparsely populated. Anyways, one night I was out taking a piss before going to bed, and then I hear a baby crying out. At first I thought it was one of the kids from the house down the hill. Then I looked at that house and noticed that there was no car parked up front and no signs of someone being home. I did not get much sleep that night. In April of 2015 I moved to Junction City, Kansas after recently being married in March of that same year. I married quick and young to be with my partner at the time while he was stationed at Fort Riley, Kansas. I was born and lived my life before this time on the East Coast, so moving to the middle of the country was a huge change in my life. I was a senior in college, and I left before graduating to go be with him. He told me that it was not a real relationship unless I was living with him, even though I have family kind of spread out throughout the states. I did not have any family in Kansas or in the nearby state. The first few months of living in Kansas was a shock to my system. The person that I married changed drastically, and I felt like I did not know the person I had just decided to move halfway across the country to be with. The relationship quickly became abusive, and as the months went by, I was scared and felt that I was trapped. I could not reach out to talk to anyone about what was going on. I would be threatened and with his stature of being in the military and that no one would believe me. My family was also threatened during this time. If I reached out to them, either I would get hurt or they would. The only reason I mentioned this part of the story is to provide some background details that I think are important for the real story in this comment. I felt like I had nowhere to go, and on nights where I did not want to be home, I would get in my car and drive to a nearby lake. The lake was called Milford Lake, and it provided me comfort since I grew up near a town with that same name. When I did not feel safe, I would go to this lake and would look at the stars. If I tried to go to a hotel or motel, my cards would be traced, and he would go there looking for me. I first was introduced to this lake when we were required to go to this mandatory fun outing for his workplace. Since then, I'd always go to the same spot, depending on how you were getting to the lake there were two ways to get to this spot. The way I would typically go would take me on a drive over a dam that was high up. On one side there was the lake and on the other was land and a couple more spots of water. It was a long straight ride and I would turn left to go down this slightly slanted rocky road that led down to this area that led into a circle. There was covered picnic seating on the right when driving by, and there was a little playground on the left in the circle of the small rock path, and parking was usually more forward. There was a bench that I would always sit at. This was a great spot to look over the water. To the left, you could see the dam with the road that was used to get there. Looking more left, you could see some small wooden areas that were far off and were at the base of the dam. Looking to the right was water and lots of trees. This area was not lit at night, and to be fair, I was not supposed to be there after a certain time. I was told only once by a park ranger to leave, but other than that, the area was pretty isolated when the sun would go down. On one night in the year 2016, I did not want to go home after work, and after picking up some food, went to the lake to watch the sunset. I did this often, and would take time to calm down, and enjoyed being by myself in the quiet. There was a couple other people nearby in their cars, but left once the sun went down. At this point, I went for a drive to kill some time until it got darker. I never have seen the stars so clearly as I did in Kansas. I really love this about the area. Around almost midnight, I drove back to the lake and drove down the small rocky path past the picnic area on the right, past some parking spaces, and parked about five feet to the left of the bench that I would sit at. In my car, I had a blanket that I would use to put down on the ground to lay down to look at the sky, so I grabbed that and walked to an area that was about ten feet away from my car to the right and laid down the blanket on the cement ground I did not like to go into the grassy area in the middle of the circle because the ground would dip in places and I did not want bugs crawling on me. Every ten minuets or so, I would sit up and would look around, checking to see if there were any cars or animals. Even if I didn't hear anything, I would just scan the area and would go back to sitting or laying down to check out the sky. About forty minuets into stargazing, I had an uneasy feeling and sat up. Once again, I scanned and didn't see or hear anything, so I started to look at the sky again. Only a few seconds after looking at the sky, I felt that feeling again, but it was stronger. I stood up and looked around the area this time. To my left, far away, near the base of the dam with the road on it, I noticed some movement. At this point, I was not scared, but became cautious of that. I've encountered deer in this area before, and believed that this was probably one of those instances. The wooded area was also far away, and because of the distance, I did not feel like it was a threat, even if it was a coyote or something similar. I told myself that I would look back over once the song that was playing on my phone was done, and would adjust from there and sat back down. Before the song could finish, I felt something that I haven't felt before. My stomach dropped, and I felt fear. True fear, and as soon as I went to grab my phone, I heard clear as day. Moo. I jumped to my feet and immediately looked to the base of the dam near the wooded area to my left. The figure that I noticed was closer than it was before, and at this moment I knew that it was coming for me, that it appeared to be on a beeline to where I was. The amount of distance that this figure covered in the short amount of time startled me and I quickly grabbed the blanket and bundled it up with my right hand inside of it and started unhooking my keys from my belt buckle to hold in my left. I started power walking to my car. For some reason, I did not run. I did not want to run and let whatever it was coming out of the woods to see that I noticed it. While trying to present as much as a clam demeanor as I could, I focused on my car and did not want to look at what was in the distance. That is when I heard the sounds of rocks being stepped on that were not my own. Once again, the area that I last noticed the figure was in a grassy area, and it was about halfway from the base of the dam in my car. The fact that I heard something on the gravel meant that it traveled over 75% of the distance from the dam. And was now almost equal distance from where I was to the car. My car was in the middle and we were both walking right towards each other. I looked up to gauge where the animal was and what I saw was not an animal. I do not remember seeing any fine details of the figure. It was completely white and in my memory it was tall and walked very rigidly. I cannot recall any face structure or even clothes. I did not know how to convey the feeling of dread and terror that I felt in that moment. Even as I typed this, my heart hasn't slowed, and I had to take a few breaks and come back. I quickly looked at my car and started to almost run to my car's door. While I was approaching my car's door, I could see the figure in the corner of my eye and noticed that it was still moving the same way as it was doing before. It did not make any sounds. It did not break into a run. It did not lunge at me. I threw the items I was holding into the back once I opened the door and turned on my car. As soon as my headlights turned on, the figure was within ten feet of my car and was in front of it. I threw my car into reverse, and while backing up, I saw that the figure now broke into what appeared to be a run toward me. I pressed on the gas and took a left to go back up the rocky path that I used to get down, and while I was driving up the path, I looked in the review mirror and could see that this figure was now running after my car. I still did not recall anything that the figure was wearing. As soon as I got up the rock path and was on the road, I drove as fast as I could to get away from that area, and when I looked back, I did not see the figure. That night, I did not go home. I didn't know what to do and had a massive breakdown while shaking in my car and crying. I drove straight to a Walmart that was over two hours away and stayed in the parking lot until morning. I thought that I was having a moment of psychosis from all the stress that I was going through and this time in my life. I have played this over in my head countless times and still am not sure what happened that night. I never felt that feeling of terror again. And now, I never go anywhere alone late at night. For years, I have had nightmares of that white figure following me from the woods. I genuinely could not explain it and thought that I was crazy. It didn't feel normal, and I never spoke about it until a few years ago to my partner. He told me to look up killer clowns in 2016 and said that the area that I was in at the time had sightings. I don't remember what the figure I saw was and even if it was a person. That means that they were standing at the base of a dam late into the night and waited by themselves for a person to be alone. I also couldn't make sense of the distance that was covered in that short amount of time. It was very difficult for me to write this story. This was the most terrifying moment of my life and I can't make sense of it. I no longer live in Kansas and am no longer married. That being said, I still do not feel safe when alone in nature. At friend's house. Friend was in garage working on dirt bike. Driveway empty because parents left a while ago. Go inside to grab a soda but decide to look for his cat, who I haven't seen all day. I walk into the office, and as him calling her name, a deep man's voice goes me right into my right ear. I jump and run around the main floor looking for who said that. Didn't find anyone. About five years ago, I was out with two friends. At the time, this group of friends liked to party hard, as did I. We were a few years out of college living in a resort town. That night, we went out to dinner and then went to a bar. We all did a round of shots when we got to the bar. Immediately after the shot, I felt like I needed to throw up. It was odd because I had not drank much at dinner and I was very accustomed to taking shots. This was a very bizarre reaction for me. I had been driven there by one of the friends, but I immediately decided I needed to leave. So I got a cab, went home, and felt completely fine when I got home. I would usually have been out until 4 a.m., but I was home by 11 p.m. I watched TV and went to bed, but the whole night I had a weird feeling. I woke up the next morning, and the two girls I was with had been in a car accident. The person driving was drunk and texting, and she hit a huge telephone pole. The pole fell onto the car, almost splitting the car in half. By the grace of God, the universe. Something. Neither of them were harmed, but if someone was sitting in the back seat, they would have potentially been dead. I am 100% certain I would have gotten into that car and likely would have been sitting in that seat. I don't with drinking and driving, or anyone who attempts to drink and drive anymore... I have a story to tell which could provide one possible explanation to what happened. A few years ago, one of my friends went off to a college in California. She spent a few quarters in the student dorms there and felt it was really expensive. So she found herself a place, a townhouse, I think, which had a separate entrance to her living space, a little distance away, and would commute every day to and from her classes, and she'd stay gone for most part of the day. In the first week, she started to notice some signs. Her clothes on the floor in the morning, when she would clearly remember she'd left them on a chair, water spilled on the floor in her living room, shower which never seemed to dry completely, and little things missing here and there. I remember we used to joke about how she was getting old and forgetful during our calls. This one day, however, she comes home to a broken cup which she swore was a new one and she never used it. Later that day, when she was talking about it on a group call, most of us were saying she is being paranoid and a broken cup was not sign enough that her house is haunted, which at that point she was certain about. This one guy did recommend her to record the house while she was gone. She took his advice, did a bit of research, and decided to buy a ring, or some equivalent of it back then, for her front door and some cheap motion sensor camera for her kitchen and living room. The ring got delivered first, and she set it up immediately, while the rest of her stuff was due to be delivered the next day. Next morning, she goes about her day like she always would, gets back home, and checks to see what the ring captured. To her horror, she sees two events. One capture of a guy leaving the house and the other. The same guy getting back into the house. The second one was just a few minutes before her viewing. She freaks out as one would expect and yeets out of there calls the police to come in and arrest this guy who was basically co-living with my friend in her apartment. Apparently there was an attic door of some sort which my friend never opened and that had a roof access which he made his home. He would basically wait for my friend to leave, to take a shower, pour himself some coffee, help himself to something from the refrigerator, get out if he needs to and make sure he comes back in before my friend gets back which used to be pretty late in the evening. This incident scarred her, and she chose to move back to the dorm soon after. When she was packing to leave, she found a pillow and some blankets in the walk, in closet in her bedroom, which she never saw when she moved in. That freaked her out even more because she believes that dude must have spent several nights in the closet while she slept on the bed, and she never knew. It was a typically crisp day when I, Hugh, decided to explore the cut-over area near Larch Mountain, Wyoming. This place, bordered by dense forests on either side, it always intrigued me. I had an adventurous spirit, always have, and the unknown depths of the woods called to me. That day a cool northern wind blew, rustling the branches of the trees and sending leaves fluttering around me. However, as I moved deeper into the woods, a very pungent odor assaulted my senses. It was an overpowering smell, a scent so strong that it made me feel lightheaded. It seemed to emanate from the darkness of the woods, drawing me towards it. Following my instincts, I ventured further into the forest, trying to locate the source of the smell. After some time, I stumbled upon a dead deer carcass, rotting away amidst the foliage. But oddly, the smell wasn't coming from there. The stench was different, more potent and disturbing. Feeling puzzled but undeterred, I decided to explore another area, about a quarter of a mile away. Half an hour had passed since I'd first encountered the smell, and just as I was beginning to think I'd imagined it, the odor reappeared. This time, it was stronger, more nauseating. Then, in the midst of the dense silence of the woods, I heard a strange noise. It sounded like clicks on the tree trunks coming from the woods on a nearby hill that overlooked my location. The sound was incredibly loud, like the hammering of a hundred-pound woodpecker. The woods, which had been eerily silent moments before, now echoed with the sound of the mysterious clicks. That's when I felt it, a cold rush of fear, a primal instinct to flee. I've always been one for adventure, but this, this was something different. It was a clear message, a warning from the woods. I wasn't welcome there, so I did what most sensible people would do in a situation like that. I got the hell out to there. The woods might call him my adventurous spirit, but that day they whispered a different message, one of caution and respect for the unknown. I love waking up in the dark and walking the sunrise with my dogs. I didn't intend to own two huskies and a German Shepherd mix, but they each found me, and I couldn't turn them away. We usually jog about five miles daily, often in the neighborhood, but nearly as often I load us up in the van and drive ten minutes to the wooded metro park. I love it there. They offer some trails that allow quads and motorbikes, some bicycles and skis, some just people, and last year they opened a new one that allows pets. It's a five-mile loop into the area farthest from the city. We live on the northern edge of town, but in the dark with no leaves on the trees, you can clearly see the red glow of the CVS sign for most of the hike. These are tamed woods with asphalt paths and concrete fire pits and rangers patrolling regularly. In the hospital behind CVS means there's emergency medical care and walking distance. I was up coughing again in the night. I had a serious case of pneumonia two months ago and was not fully recovered when this sinus infection hit me. I'm past the fever part, so we're walking, not yet jogging, Again, but after being up in the night, I didn't get up in time to go walk before I dropped my kids off at school. Then my youngest had an appointment, and then I had to run a few errands, and then we had unexpected visitors right after school, and then they stayed for dinner, and finally I got the dogs into the van, and we made it to the park just before it started to get dark. I was irritated at all the little things that had kept me from my walk all day, but as we drove all the way to the back of the park, I realized we'd be walking the sunset, watching it over the lake and the hills and through the bare trees, and the park was clearing out now as it started towards dark. We would very nearly have the place to ourselves, and might not have to pull off the path to let others pass us. An amazing number of people who are afraid of dogs hike the pet path. All those little irritations had led up to this singular moment of beauty I would not otherwise have seen and appreciated. This was going to be a really good walk. Funny how life works out when you let it. I parked in my spot at the farthest end of the parking lot by the bathrooms. A mile long people, walkers or joggers only, path looped through the woods and by the lake and came out by the bathrooms. I liked to run it when I came here alone. It was a glorious walk through a Bob Ross painting. My mind cleared and my thoughts quieted, and I simply experienced the woods. My feet on the path, my dogs panting, the nature sounds, the beauty of the sky. I absolutely loved it. About halfway now and the city sounds, had faded away till I could only hear the birds and frogs and insects all singing their songs of territory and mating and life. Crack, utter silence and absolute stillness. My dogs and I turned instantly towards the source of the sound and froze. Behind us and to the right, the sound had come from the crest of a hill. I could see nothing and heard only the dogs panting. I waited for the nature sounds to return. They did not. All three of the dogs slowly raised their ruffs for standing on end all around their shoulders and necks, tails held tall and proud, making themselves look larger and more threatening. I took a step towards them, and the female husky, the leader of my little pack, instantly put her ears back and her head down and pulled me down the path. All three of them left their tails and ruffs up, but the two males also put ears back and heads down and began to pull me, so off we went. The woods were still silent. We must have startled a buck on the slope of the hill not seen him and after we passed he leapt up the hill and jumped a dead tree and his hoof hit a dead branch and the branch broke crack and scared everyone why were the woods still silent maybe there's someone up there homeless people must stay here sometimes the bathrooms have heat so the pipes don't freeze this is about as far out as the path goes it would be a good place to sleep maybe he's setting up a shelter and crack broke a branch Why were the woods still silent? We were about as far from the city as we could get in these woods. And you couldn't see the CE sign or the glow from streetlights or even hear the traffic noises. It was dark and still and absolutely quiet except for the panting dogs and four sets of footsteps on the path. I wanted to run. The dogs wanted to run. Bigfoot. That was a Bigfoot breaking a log to say, get out. There are no Bigfoot in city limits, I promise you that, brain. It was a deer. The woods are still quiet because of U.S. I have 200 pounds of dog here. Yes, they're the big huskies. And another 200 pounds of me. Yeah, I'm a little fat, but I've got good muscle underneath. I have broad shoulders that don't fit into women's shirts and big hands that don't fit into women's gloves. I can lift 100 pounds over my head. We are the scariest thing in these woods. There's no bear. There's no wolves. There's no Bigfoot. There are deer and there are foxes and there might be an angry raccoon. But we are the biggest, baddest, scariest thing in these woods. Unless there's someone with a gun. Shut up. You're not helping. The dogs had not stopped once to sniff or mark. Heads down, ears back, tails and ruffs, still held high. They just wanted to go. We'd gone almost a mile now, me craning my head the whole time, trying to see as far as I could in all directions, while letting the dogs pull me down the path, and it was still absolutely silent. Not an over-flying goose. Not a cricket. Nothing moved. Nothing made a sound. Except us. Here came the third and longest of the three steep hills on this trail, I had been running these to rebuild my strength and endurance. But if I ran this, I'd be blown at the top. The top where it curved around as it crested and you couldn't see anything past the thick trees. The top where, if you were deeper in the woods, you could follow a more gradual ridge up to the crest of the hill and wait. Unseen. For someone to come up the path. Ambush. It was a deer. Turn around. It was just a deer. What if it's behind us? Ambush. Deer. Gun. Bigfoot. This is why I run. The noise in my head is unbearable otherwise. Up the hill. Walk. Pay attention. Watch the dogs. The dogs were still on alert, but didn't hesitate to go up the hill. In fact, they wanted to go faster. Just walk. Don't get smoked. Be able to run or fight if you have to. Yeah, okay. I'm scared, too. The woods should not still be silent. The dog should not still be on alert. It's not a cat or a bear or a wolf, and I really doubt it's Bigfoot. But it could be a person. So let's be smart. Just walk. We're not good prey. The dogs will protect me. The dogs will protect me. The huskies might not, alone, but the shepherd will, and they'll follow his lead. Be smart and get out. Only another mile now to the lake in the first parking lot. Then another half mile along the lake to the second lot, where my van was. Hearing traffic noises now, but still no birds. No crickets. No frogs. The smell almost stopped me in my tracks. But the dogs kept pulling. Sour and grassy and oddly metallic and shit. Shit and blood and partially digested grass. I smelled the contents of a deer's stomach. Someone hunted these woods, and the dogs were not at all interested in the smell. We ran. I don't remember much of that last mile. We just ran. Desna, the big female husky, finally stopped to drink some lake water as we came out by the parking lot. Then she began to sniff and pee. The boys followed her lead. There was a single truck parked. I relaxed quite a bit, but still felt on edge. Down the lake in the next parking lot, I could see headlights. They must be parked at the turn, around at the end of the lot closest to the lake. Their headlights illuminated the lakeside path. They're watching us. Halfway to the van now, and the car drove away. Twenty feet from the van, I heard a motor coming down the nearest path. I decided to put the dogs in the car on the driver's side instead of the passenger side like normal. The sound of the motor came closer. The leashes caught on the armrest, and I had to untangle them before the dogs could jump into the van. The motor came closer down the path. I had to be gone before it came out. I knew it with an absolute certainty. Finally, the dogs were in. I slammed the door and jumped in the front, fumbling for the lock button, shaking hands, unclipping the keys from my jogging belt, starting the car and gunning it into reverse and as my headlights swept over the entrance of the path by the bathrooms, they lit up a four-wheeler coming out of the woods. I was dropping the transmission into drive and hitting the gas, and as my brain processed what my eyes saw, it informed me there was something across the handlebars. A gun? A deer carcass? I couldn't tell, and because of the angle when pulling away, I couldn't see him in the rear-view mirror at all. It all began in the heart of Appalachia. That's where I first had the encounters that would forever change my perspective on the world. I'm not one for tall tales or flights of fancy, but what I saw, as absurd as it sounds, was real. I remember the day as clear as a bell. I was walking through the woods, lost in the peaceful rhythm of nature, when I noticed a peculiar movement in my peripheral vision. As I squinted, trying to make sense of what I was seeing, my eyes landed on a small figure, no more than twelve inches tall. It was a tiny man, or so it seemed, dragging another creature by the ankle. I could barely believe what I was seeing, but there was no denying it. The creature being dragged was no ordinary critter. It was a fairy, and by the looks of it, either unconscious or worse. I know how preposterous it sounds. Trust me, I've wrestled with the logic of it for years. But I saw it with my own eyes, the tiny man and the fairy, right there in the heart of Appalachia. Fast forward four years, and I found myself face, to face with the unbelievable once more. Again, I was in the woods, not far from where I had the first encounter. This time I saw fairies, a whole group of them, fluttering about, their wings shimmering under the filtered sunlight. I don't expect anyone to believe me, at least not anyone who hasn't seen it with their own eyes. Telling this story is a risk, one that opens me up to ridicule and disbelief. Yet the truth of what I saw remains, etched in my memory. It's a secret I carry, one I can't share with the people I know in real life. They wouldn't understand, wouldn't be able to accept it, but maybe, just maybe, there are others out there who've seen what I've seen, who know that sometimes reality is stranger than we could ever imagine. I once climbed the wrong Kuar on the Middle Teton after getting bad root advice. My camera worked fine before and after entering the couloir, but when I tried to take pictures from the base, it showed only weird ghostly images of the rock with half the pixels missing. I ended up stranded alone on a ledge at 12,500 feet with no sleeping bag. Search and Rescue said I was the third person they knew about soloing the route that year. One died and the other barely survived with a severe brain injury. I turned out okay, but a dude died the same night on the route I should have been on. Not sure what my camera was trying to tell me. Near where I go to school, there's a massive state park that is rumored to have an old Air Force research facility. In the back corner of it, the front part is visited frequently by hikers, hunters, and whatnot. But if you wander into the back of it far enough, you find some really creepy stuff from methods to cults to estranged citizens. A couple of good ones come to mind. The ROTC program used to do field training out there once a semester, and part of it is a land navigation course. That pretty much consisted of the cadets out in the woods by themselves for around five to six hours navigating the land. I've heard from multiple people they'll be walking to their next point or take a break on a tree and find human skeletons or bones. Another one that happened to me when some friends and I were hunting, exploring one weekend. We were wandering through woods when we came up to a clearing. In the clearing is this old run-down and almost abandoned church. We didn't really think anything of it at first, but we noticed that there were things off with it. First, the cross on the steeple was upside down. Then we noticed there were no windows on the building itself at all. We were about to come out of the clearing to have a look around when the door opened to it and a man in black robes came out for a minute and then went back inside. That's when we booked it out of there. I have tons of stories of that national park. I hate going there every time we go, but the stories that come out of it are something else. First of all, I have been very reluctant to tell this story in fear of being ridiculed. I did send a not-so-well-written report to BFRO some years ago, and because I was in fear of being ridiculed, I did not participate in a follow-up investigation, and therefore the story was not published. I have read some other reports people have submitted and can relate. Anyway to my story. I was driving one night in the coast range of Oregon, above the small town of Fall City. I had some friends with me who will remain unidentified. We drove up the Black Rock mainline road and turned off onto a small dead-end logging road. As I turned left, going up the ridge, I noticed there were some campers in the area. There were several vehicles parked alongside of the road. There were tents and a good campfire burning with people standing around the fire. I drove past the campers slowly and turned my truck around and headed back in the direction in which I came from. As I just started towards the campers, I heard a very loud howling-type scream. The sound came from my left and behind me, down the hill, not from the area of the camp. The pitch of the scream was from low to high, as I recall. The scream was very loud as I heard it over the volume of my stereo, which, in fact, was quite loud at the time. The scream seemed to go on for some time, maybe as long as four or six seconds. We all were scared the old expression of the hair raising up on the back of your neck is actually true, and exactly what happened in this case. I drove out of the area ASAP. One of my friends and I returned the following day during daylight. Even being there during the day gave me the creeps. The campers were gone. I did not get out of the truck and drove out of the area. I have been back to the area a few times over the years, initially to show people the area and during deer hunting season. I will not forget that night. Certainly I cannot say it was a Bigfoot, however it was a sound that was totally unnatural to humans. A sound I had never heard before and hoped to never hear again. In the summer of 2009, my girlfriend and I were on our yearly camping trip with her mom, dad, and her brother and his wife. That year, the six of us had traveled north from where we lived near Albany, New York, to a campground in the Adirondack Mountains. It was a small campground, but they did have full cabins there as well as sites for both RVs and tents. My girlfriend's parents rented one of the cabins for a week, and we planned to set up a tent for ourselves just outside of the cabin. We had left after work on a Friday. We ate dinner when we got there and hung out by the fire pit. The six of us talked about all sorts of things. It was a great first night. We were all tired, though, so we headed to bed at about 9.30. We'd been up since five on that morning, having worked a full day, so we were all pretty tired. The moon was full, so there was plenty of light around, but not enough to see details beyond 20 feet or so. I pitched our tent relatively close to the cabin. My girlfriend's brother and his wife pitched their tent on the far side of the cabin, about 50 feet away. About an hour later, after falling asleep, I was awoken by my girlfriend, who had said she heard something outside our tent, but couldn't see anything out the mesh window. She thought it sounded like heavy footsteps walking through leaves and twigs as it moved around our sight. We were near the center of the campground, where there weren't too many trees. I listened a bit, but could barely lift my head since I was so tired. I didn't hear anything, so I told her not to worry, and that whatever it was would probably move on soon. It was probably just some forest animal checking out our scent. I instantly went back to sleep, but I woke up again when she nudged me awake a few minutes later, saying that whatever it was had moved closer. She said that she could hear breathing outside the tent and felt like something was looking at her through the mesh window. I reluctantly gave in and woke myself up to check out what might be going on. I told her not to move as I slowly unzipped the flap of our tent. As soon as I did, my girlfriend let out a scream because something jumped from the area right outside our tent and jumped into the trees right across from us. We both saw it at the same time before it darted behind the trees. It then stopped and looked back at us. It was about seven feet tall, muscular, and had a large head with long hair. The creature didn't seem aggressive, but instead seemed curious as it stood there, staring at us for what felt like a long time. It had yellow eyes that almost glowed in the dark, and I feel I saw a mouth with sharp teeth. After standing there for a few seconds, it turned and slowly walked away into the woods on the other side of the campground. I unzipped the tent flap all the way and stepped outside very cautiously. I looked in the direction that it had gone, but I couldn't see anything in the dark. I stood there for a bit listening before I went back inside the tent and zipped it up. I was now doubting if we had really seen anything at all, but at the same time, we both just laid there in our sleeping bags for several minutes, not saying anything and barely breathing. We were both in shock at what had just happened. We stayed awake for probably the next two hours, and we did both hear distant screaming noises a few times that night, but somehow we both finally fell asleep although I have to admit I had dreams of being chased and running for my life through the forest. The next day, when we all got up and were making breakfast, I told my girlfriend's brother about what happened. I asked him if he had heard or seen anything at all, but he said he hadn't so. It was looking as if only my girlfriend and I had experienced it. But later that day, after a morning hike, we were sitting in the cabin with our mom and dad when one of the campground managers came by with his dog. The dog looked like a German Shepherd mix. The dog was acting very strangely, as if he had spotted or smelled something unusual in the area and was trying to pull his owner towards it. The manager passed the time a bit talking to us and checking in on us, before finally asking if we had seen anything like a bear around recently, saying that his dog seemed to be very interested in our area specifically. He was wondering what could possibly be up when we told him no. He seemed relieved, but said that he had received a report from other campers that they had seen a large black bear in the area and that it was smart enough to have learned how to open up their locked food storage containers. I don't know if what we saw was a bear or not, but I do know that bears don't usually stand seven feet tall or walk on their back legs. I'm pretty sure bears are nocturnal, so there's that. What exactly did we see that night? I'm not sure. But it was definitely something very strange and out of the ordinary. My girlfriend and I are confident that it wasn't just a black bear, but something much more. And the fact that other campers had reported seeing something similar in the area lends credibility to our story.